All right, ladies and gentlemen, folks, and everyone else, welcome to uh, another episode of Anthro for the Homies. Um, round of applause is appropriate right now, though. We got my good friend on the podcast today, my homie from grad school, Christina Iglesias. Christina, please say hello. Hi, how you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody's doing, doing good. Uh, oh, I'm doing very good. Thanks, thanks for asking. Thanks, uh, thanks, th- thanks for asking. Um, so Christina's badass because uh, Christina, like myself, um, is an archaeologist, and uh, we both uh, studied at California State University, Los Angeles, and um, you're currently a, a student there uh, still, right? Is that correct? Yeah, still there. Um, I'm actually just getting all my ducks in a row. I just finished talking on the phone with my advisor. I was seeing what documents I needed so I can apply to graduate this spring. So fingers crossed. Wait, sweet, fingers crossed. <laughs> sweet, yeah. sweet. And uh, are you doing a thesis? Are you writing a thesis? Or are you going to do comps? I am or... writing a thesis. Sweet. Yeah, I'm writing a thesis. Yeah. Sweet. And uh, do you want to share? Can you share a little bit of what your thesis is about? Maybe like, you know, a quick, uh, quick overview, if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So my thesis is basically about reinterpreting subterranean space. Uh, and what this means, is like, I've been working in the Maya area in Chichen Itza before that when I was an undergraduate. What kind of started this was I was invited through um, Dr. James Brady, his uh, cave class. Mm-hmm. I was Shout to out to Jim. Him. Shout out to Jim, by the way. Shout out to Jim, because without <laughs> him, man, I swear. Um, yeah, he invited me to go as one of his students for the Belize Archaeology Project to help one of his grad students. And from there, I was invited to go back and instead of help her again i was invited to go to chichen itza where he was working uh very recently so like 2018. wow so i was actually in belize uh jim was actually invited to go to chichen so he left midway through Mm -hmm. to go see what uh what was going on over there okay so my master's thesis is focusing on these maya subterranean features so Dr. James Brady, his focus is on caves, mm-hmm. and Maya Caves, we call him the godfather of cave archaeology. Yep, because so, he is. He's a boss when right? it comes to cave exactly. archaeology. So knowledgeable. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And what I've been working on are like almost like these like artificial like caves, and a lot of them are marked by a like round circular opening. And they and, have a, a name, these uh, artificial like caves? Yeah. So in Belize, I was working with um, what are called chiltunes. Mm-hmm. And in the uh, northern Maya lowlands, um, they're known for, um, whatchamacall, storing water, supposedly, and they have very thick plaster. That's the, uh, uh, like, the, the conventional wisdom of, of what Chortunes are for? Very, very much so, because mm-hmm. um, I'm going to get into that, too. But um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, we, we're seeing um, these features having more of, like, a ritual function, because when I was in Belize... We're looking, we didn't really see a plaster. So it's like, mm, I don't think these are holding water, right? Mm-hmm. But we're finding a lot of ceramics. Some of the chiltoons there didn't have any, while some of them had like a ton. Okay. So it was very, it was like variable. So in Chichen and, Itza. Um, can I stop you for, for, for one second? Sure. Um, by subterranean, you mean below earth, right? Is that correct? Like yeah, below so the ground? So these, they're underground features. A lot of them are just, they're very, they're pretty small. Mm-hmm. So anywhere from like two to three meters, the largest is like, you know, up to five, five and a half meters. And oh, that, those that, are actually that is pretty small. Like, yeah, they're not huge. They're not very big. Okay. Um, the biggest ones we found were actually in Chichen Itza. So I started um, researching there in 2018 with um, Dr. Brady, along with a couple other Castellet students. So shout out 
to Brian Waldo, Neil Kohansky, Wendy Laco. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which, um, yeah, all ho- of them. Hopefully, at one point or another, every single one of those individuals will be on the podcast. And then I would love That'd to do awesome. an episode, a group episode um, with so all cool. of us because, uh, you know, we've, we've all spent a lot of time on the field with each other in, in different capacities, some more than others. And uh, being out on the field, you know, we're archaeologists and you really develop strong bonds and strong ties and strong relationships um, being on the field. You're often, you know, out remote in the middle of places that sometimes um, a lot of people don't have access to. So it's pretty cool. Like the, the camaraderie that, that gets built, but continue, please. You're talking about Tortunas and their size. Pretty small. um, Over here in like Chichen Itza, we've been finding, so we started researching some features because um, Jim's, um, the main director, Dr. Um, Guillermo de Anda, mm-hmm. was working on Balam Cave. And where is he um, from? Can you um, say where he's from? Mexican archaeologist. He uh, he was working with Ina. And uh, him and Jim have known each other for like a long time. So Yeah, yeah. yeah we in, Ina is like the National Association of Archaeology or something like that in, in Mexico, right? Yeah, Historia y... Anthropologia, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you I'm go. Trying to remember the acronym. I'm like, oh, I'm butchering. <laughs> it's Ina. It's Guillermo, yeah. Dr. Ana yeah. and Ina. That's, <laughs> that's like, yeah, exactly. So, um, over in Chichen Itza, we were finding these features called um, Sascaveras. Mm. And Sascaveras are not like Choltuns in the way that you would think, but they're similar. So, they're not really like rounded because Chiltunes are pretty rounded in shape okay. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Sascaveras are actually um, limestone, like karst mines. And part of the problem is we've been identifying these in the record as like utilitarian features that, mm-hmm. oh, you know, these are mining features. So we're not looking beyond anything but like mining scale things. So like, you know, if we're, we're looking for tools and stuff like that, we're, we're thinking mining tools. Mm-hmm. But the artifacts that are being pulled out are not uh, coinciding with what we would consider like utilitarian mining functions. Because all these are like ancient Maya features. So at mm-hmm. Chichen Itza, we were working by, uh, at the actual site, we were working right by the Las Monjas structure, which is translates to the nunnery. Ooh. And right along Las Monjas, there's like a group of 11 of them. Mm-hmm. And we had the opportunity, we were given permission to excavate one of them. And when we were in there, it was actually really, it was huge. And the roof had collapsed over a certain section. So if we did like a surface, um, if we did like a surface uh, surface unit, we probably would have been able to find uh, more ceramics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But just what we were able to pull out from the surface was just like, you know, just along the entrance and stuff, like nothing too major. There's quite a bit to find. And um it was just really interesting stuff. So it's part of my research is like, uh, we're finding features that are not fitting within these categories, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of, of, of what we traditionally thought, right? The categories that exactly. we used to think these were used for. Right. So like, you know, we are, and this is the thing with the archaeological record. Like we're, we're looking at, let's say like Sascaveras and Choltunas. Mm-hmm. We find features that are kind of like in between. They have their own distinct qualities. Like they're, they're not really sascaveras they're not really they don't have sascab mm-hmm. but they're not they're not you know they don't have a thick plaster and that was actually one of the features i found in 2019 what's uh sascab what's that 
Falstaff is like limestone. It's a limestone marl, so it's very, it's like ground up limestone. It's like a conglomerate mm. that we find a lot with the clay type soil. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yep. it's found a lot inside of Sascaveras. And Sascab was used to make a lot of the like uh, uh, the mortar and like the plaster for the pyramids in oh. Chichen Itza. Cool, cool. And yeah. how old? Uh, you mentioned you're finding uh, ceramics um, and other. Um, you know, cool artifacts. Uh, how old are these items? I believe for, this is a thing, we haven't been able to get them tested yet. They're actually being tested right now, so we don't know the exact dates. Mm. Um, but we're, we're assuming that they're older than Chichen Itza, because I believe Chichen Itza is like late classic, if which, I'm not mistaken. Which is like 900, 7 to 900 AD or somewhere Something around like that. that. Yeah, I could, I could be totally wrong and Jim's just shaking his head in the background. <laughs> no, I, I might be off, but I think I can look it up really quick. Yeah, yeah, that's we got we got technology. I just have to check myself before I start spilling numbers. Yeah, yeah. See, this is a uh, student. This is archaeology in the flesh, ladies and gentlemen. You're talking to boots on the ground folks <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. So late, late classic through terminal classic. So between 600 to 900 is late classic, and the terminal is from 800 to 900, and that's what's being considered like right now. Yeah, and th- I mean, that's huge because most people have been to Chichen Itza. Um, it, you know, yeah. most people have taken a, a photo with, I believe the <laughs> the, the, the pyramid's name is Kuku Klan. Um, yes. That's like the original name or, or, or I, I don't even know if we have a, the original name for the, for the pyramid, right? Do we know like what the original Mayan inhabitants in that area like called that giant structure? Did they call it? Was- it? It was Google yes. Cloud. Cool. I, I believe that's that. That's definitely Maya. Yes, mm-hmm. and it, it it basically translates to Pyramid of the Plumed Serpent. Plumed Serpent. I can't speak. <laughs> Plumed <laughs> Plume Serpent. Yeah, it's 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 massive. I mean, it's I think it's one of the new seven wonders of the world. Like you can't just go and dig at Chichen Itza. You can't hop no. on a plane. You can't just right. book your book your all-inclusive resort into Cancun and then land and then bring a shovel and think that you could just go there and start digging. Like this is a, a it's huge. Yeah, it's an amazing. Like you know, what I'm saying it, it's one of those things where it's almost unheard of to have like grad students. Um, from like, you know, just Cal State LA, just, and you honestly just see yourself as like a regular student, just like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm here working. Mm-hmm. But then when you understand the brevity of like where you're working, where we had the passes, you know, we had special passes to get there. You know, we were like, okay, like, who are you with? Oh, you're with Memo? Okay, cool. Like, we called the Memo. So. Oh, that's dope. You're on, yeah, you're yeah. on terms, Dr. Anna like, is, hey, Memo, no. yeah, that's <laughs> sick. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, no, that he's a, part of it. Yeah. Um, memo. <laughs> I don't know him like that. I can't call him like that. Yeah. Doctor Guillermo Anda is a is a, a huge huge figure in the archaeological community, especially the you know archaeological community in that area. Um, you know, so it, it's awesome that you mentioned. You know, you have Cal, students from Cal State LA, this lone, lowly little university. Um, being able to to dig there, it's it's huge, it's a huge accomplishment, and a lot of that is due to um, Dr. Jim Brady, um, Dr. James Brady, we who lovingly just refer to as Jim, um, yeah. and the and the work that he's put in over the years. Um, Jim's been doing it what since? Don't get mad at us, Jim, but the seventies, right? I want to say is when he first went out there, early eighties, early eighties, early to mid eighties. I would like. I, I'm going to give him that. Yeah, early to mid eighties. <laughs> 
because I know he was, I think he was doing his master's at Cal State in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah, he's an alumni from Cal State LA too. So yes, he it is. Runs for sure. Yeah. And then he went to uh, UC Berkeley. It was uh, undergrad Berkeley, mm. master's at Cal State, and then his PhD at UCLA. Mm, yeah, yeah. Jim's Jim's a Jim's an incredible fellow. Hope uh, hope he'd be willing <laughs> willing to to chat with us one day. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we talked about you know Christina goes and and she digs. She's she was uh, a, a sort of awarded this opportunity to dig at, at Chichen Itza, um, but there are. Um, other opportunities for people who are interested in in going to dig and, and going to learn archaeology, you know, as as a science, I consider it a science and and an art. Um, although <laughs> some some folks don't consider it this like uh, hardcore scientific discipline, but it, it makes me think of of field schools. So you know, in order to be an archaeologist today, right? If somebody wa- if, if you have goals and you say I want to be an archaeologist and how do, how do I get there? You have to go to college one. Uh, it's a big thing. And you have to attend field schools and field schools, field schools can be, they could be quite interesting to say the least, you know, field schools, uh, they, they run the spectrum of being, you know, legit academic work that's going on. It's top students who, who get to go to these different places and do this amazing research with amazing professors um, but occasionally you get, you know, kids who are from affluent backgrounds, kids who tend to be white, and they just want to party at these field schools. And it could be uh, it could be a little disheartening, especially when you're going some out somewhere and you want to do research and you want to study and you want to you know, really advance the field. And then you got a bunch of kids just blacking out every night. <laughs> uh, but that's that's not to say that's not to say that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's weird because that's pretty accurate. Some. <laughs> that do attend and i think i saw that it's funny because i think i saw that in belize the most because you had a bunch of universities that were there with students that are like oh yeah like i want to do this and i remember like just being in community college in uh at glendale community college i remember i did the marine biology field school for two weeks <laughs> i was not a marine biologist but i'm like i'm going to bahia de los angeles and i'm going to swim with whale sharks awesome you know what I'm saying? so it was one of those things where it was like it was a cool opportunity to get out and like um, kind of see the world in a way. Cause like, you know, if you're from like, for me, I was like living in a bubble for the most part. So it was nice to like get out and like see the world. And it was just, I mean, people are like, Oh, it's just Baja Mexico. But I'm like, Hey, like baby steps. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's incredible. By the way, was that with um, Russ, uh, a guy named Russ? No. So it was with Dr. Gago and he had an assistant, oh. um, Man, oh Charles. His name was Charles. I'm blanking on his last name, but I mean, he like lived and breathed just like uh, doing the program there, and it was a cool experience because I actually did learn a lot. So like, I I know like underwater archaeology is a huge thing. So if you're interested, like, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Like you learn a little bit of marine biology, and then you kind of like you see where you can apply these things. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Interesting to tie back things that as easy as in like an elective. You know what I'm saying? And like tie it back to like your actual focus. And be like, oh, like, you know, everything has its use and its place in academia. And it's always nice to branch into other sections to, like, grab things that are useful to what you need for your own, you know, whether it's writing a thesis, your dissertation. There's so many things that are like, oh, you know, they relate to what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's pretty cool, like, in retrospect, like, oh, yeah, you know, it was just a little side thing. And I wanted to do something fun. I was like, oh, it's my last semester. Like, <laughs> 
I was transferring to Cal State LA, like this could be fun. And it kicked my ass. It was, it was pretty rigorous. And like, despite the two weeks you're out there in the sun, it's like, no, you have to do work. We had our workbooks. We had our lab books. We had mm-hmm. everything. So it's like, you know, it wasn't like a vacation, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Which, um, which archaeology is work. I mean, uh, <laughs> like uh, that's exception because you're in the jungle, like especially in Belize. Uh-huh. You're experiencing. You're looking at. You're looking up in the trees. There's toucans. There's howler monkeys. There's spider monkeys. You know, you walk down the street. There's just so much around you, and then mm-hmm. you forget that you're doing academic work. And like we were helping um, Tony Gonzalez, and she's a PhD candidate at um, UC Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we were helping her with her dissertation and it's like, you know, you'll goof off and have fun with your friends in the field, like your cohort and whatnot. Of course, of course. At the end of the day, it's like, you're actually contributing a lot and it's, you almost forget it because you are having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. What Jim says, and he's like, archaeology, you know, is the most fun you can have with your clothes on. And it's (laughs) true. That's Jim, that's Jim's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great quote is. It's just crazy because like it is fun but it's work <laughs> like we, we you work like i don't know if anyone's ever dug a hole in the backyard but try try digging a hole you know it's 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 work it you know work. and you know you have to be really considerate about how you're digging the hole and people are very much mm-hmm. like archaeology you know you see indiana jones once you're like sick i'm a rate of pyramid <laughs> <You know? Like, laughs> yeah no it's not, not like that works, no know? there's laws and, and there's regulations and you got to apply for permitting and there's um all, all kinds of stuff yeah. um you mentioned belize uh in a field school were you at the field school with the bot flies where all those folks got bot flies or no it wasn't that year oh. but when i was there i did see people have the bot flies and it was pretty pretty nasty <laughs> yeah so i wasn't there either this is just secondhand information so it'll take it from me uh but um yeah there was one year where apparently some of the students uh were going out into the jungle and they were having sex in the jungle and uh bot flies are these crazy flies that it's like a fly right like a regular fly but when it lands on you i believe it drops the larvae and that larvae then burrows into your skin and it eats away at your skin and it's like a maggot eventually that they need to kill and they need to suffocate and it's gross and these folks ended up getting bot flies in their private parts whoa (laughs) no it is intense and it's funny because when you're there in the jungle at least for me that's like the last thing i was thinking about because it's Mm. like you're hot and sweaty 24 7 yeah yeah for sure draining because the humidity is like 90 yeah. percent then you consider like working and this is part of the reasons why i like working in like these uh subterranean features these underground like artificial caves it's like it's cool mm. you know it's literally temperature wise yeah. yeah and i remember working with you recently in the desert and i'm just like i'm gonna pass out you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah the desert, right? desert desert does 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 get pretty warm in the desert but i like yeah. it no joke yeah um, so cool cool tidbit i learned about caves from jim um the the cave the temperature in a cave is the average year-round temperature of wherever locale you're at is that is that correct did i remember that correctly i believe you're correct yeah yeah like the the cave temperature is the average of yeah the the year-round temperature of wherever location you're at so uh i, I think that's i think that's pretty cool if you ever it's neat and it's uh it comes in handy when you're like oh let me cool off in the cave <laughs> briefly um, so uh 
is Antho for the homies, so I have to ask this question. But where do you go to the bathroom? Because uh, I've gone to um, the bathroom on digs before, and you, yeah, think. I mean, it's a serious question though, because you got to remember, like, going to the bathroom is human waste and it's human excrement. And if you're on an archaeological site where there's stuff underground, you can't just dig a hole anywhere to go to the bathroom because you could right. potentially be messing some stuff up. So, do they have porter potties for y'all, or do they have like actual facilities? In the field school we did actually have latrines and it Ooh, was like fancy it was, yeah. it was it, i mean it, honestly it was pretty nice it was a shack and it was like they had stalls with like these like thick plastic like black i almost think like garbage bags but they weren't it was like tarp that's so fancy and, and they had like <laughs> wooden like lined almost like plywood with holes and then they put like a toilet seat on top like it's a toilet and and then there's no flushing system, so you you had a bucket of lye, mm. and when you were done, you dumped the bucket, and mm. then we had, uh, we had running water from like these tanks, so you had to be really conscious of how much you were using. Mm. We had water, and that was like that was it. So That's we were really fancy. fortunate with that, yeah. But when we're actually on the dig site and you have to go to the bathroom, like, you have to get like far away from where you guys are looking, generally speaking. And that's the thing about these sites that are relatively like unknown where you're researching things that are not common. Like, you know, people putting focus on these subterranean chambers that are very much like, you know, oh, you know, people dismiss them as like storage units, as like places for food. So, you know, they're not really excavated. So you have to be yeah. really conscious where you're walking because all the time is you stumble upon new ones. So you have to walk pretty far to make sure like you're yeah, awake. Yeah, yeah yeah for sure um unfortunately there was one time where i was on the field and i drank uh i used to drink five hour energy drinks all the time and i used to love them and then one day i realized that they gave me diarrhea <laughs> and i realized that on the field which means i was on an archaeological site and i was excavating in a rock shelter and it was sort of like on a hillside so it was a little difficult to navigate around this hillside. So you can, I don't know if you can imagine like, and, and this particular dig we were camping. So, um, you know, we were just camping out of tents, um, no, no showers or, or nothing like that. And, uh, we're working all day and, uh, <laughs> I had diarrhea in the field. It sucks. Oh, so you have to walk out really far. Like Christina's saying, so if you could imagine, you know, having to use the bathroom, having to go diarrhea, but then having to walk really far on the side of a hill. <laughs> and so no one like, like you're you're doing a couple of things you're trying not to fall off the hill you're trying to keep it in you're trying to find a spot yeah yeah all the above it was it was super whack and yeah. uh i i realized then that um five hour energies don't sit well with me um oh, oh that's the worst time to realize it i'm sorry yeah 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 but on the bright side um <laughs> It's one, um, if you've never gone to the bathroom outside, folks, it's uh, me personally, I think it's very humbling. It's a very humbling experience. You learn to truly appreciate what you have at home. So I've gotten to go to the bathroom in really cool places, <laughs> like really, really remote places that, that maybe people don't get to go very, very much. Um, that particular time we were on uh, a military base somewhere in the middle of the desert and this base you didn't have access to the to the reg regular public so we had to be escorted everywhere except to the bathroom obviously <laughs> um so let's go back to um your research because i really want to talk about chichen itza because you can't just yeah. you can't just drop the bomb and be like oh uh, my thesis on teaching right. itza and then right. <laughs> and then just keep going uh right. that's like that's huge 
it's it's big stuff and it's like um it's almost overwhelming how much there's going on over there especially with uh what we're doing Mm -hmm. so my thesis kind of came off of a side project because in 2018 jim and guillermo leanda were working on balamku cave and balamku cave is huge it made um google it National Geographic's 2019 most important discoveries, top 10 most important discoveries. Yeah, buddy, Google that shit. You gotta Google it. It's amazing. And uh, hopefully, can like, you... Jim can come on and talk to you about it explicitly, but... Yeah, that, um, that would be incredible. Can you spell Balam yeah. cool, please? It's like... Yes. B-A-L-A-M-K-U. Balam cool. Yeah, and what does that mean? Uh, Cave of the Jaguar God. Sick. It's really cool. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> it's like, insane it's insanely cool yeah and, uh, so it's funny because like when we first went in 2018 we didn't have the opportunity the cal state students didn't have the opportunity to go into the cave this was more like memos mm. work like what we were we were kind of there to like make sure everything was good mm-hmm. jim's kind of a theory guy he's like okay this is what this is what are you looking at oh this is this this is that you know what i'm saying he's very much like he'll put words on what it is that you're finding right he's wow. very much like this is the implication this is what it's implying and he ties it back to like, you know, his own research from Naktunich back when he did his dissertation and all his time there and Which all the other caves. Another cave, Naktunich was a. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is another big one. So it's like, you know, he, he's very well. Like, if you want to talk to anybody about caves, it's Jim. Maya yeah. Caves. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jim, Jim's, Jim's a man when it comes to caves. And it's insane. So. When we were working in Chichen Itza, this became like a side project. So we had something to work on for the students and like, because we have something so similar in Belize. And a lot of the students that went in uh, 2018 were the students that went with me in Belize in 2017. So it was Sim- just like- Similarities as far as the Choltunes or- um... so The only similarity that there appears to be is the circular opening, right? So Choltunes have these like cobblestone chip circular openings where you look down and it looks like just looks like a circle. So mm-hmm. immediately, it's like, oh, you know, Western. It's like, oh, it's a storage unit. It's a latrine. It's this. It's that. And then it's like this: the artifacts that you're pulling out of it, the stuff that you're pulling out of it, is saying another story. Mm-hmm. So we're labeling these things as utilitarian Western functions, like you know, water storage units, um, mines for Sascaberas, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, what we're pulling out of it is is not coinciding with this. So that's part of my thesis, and like, you know we've almost just labeled them without researching them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them have not been excavated. So we're just blindly labeling these features. And the reality is like, no, there's so much to be said about these. And what we're finding is a lot of like ritual function for the most part. Wow. And you know, outside of Chichen Itza, like outside of the actual park, we were working in a side pueblo like San Felipe Nuevo. Mm-hmm. And we were looking for a feature called El Osario Infantil, which means the children's ossuary children's ossuary yes and this was a feature that was supposedly found in 1967 mm-hmm. uh by accident alongside the old chichen itza airstrip where they were uh constructing it to make it wider supposedly they knocked into this feature they knocked down the southern wall of this feature and when they looked inside they found 106 skeletons Ooh. 97 were kids Hmm. 97 yeah. out of 106 skeletons were children, huh? Kids. Right. And that was part of the what we were trying to do. We we're trying to locate this feature. I was in charge of translating the article. So it was a whole big deal where Kelsey Lee was involved in trying to find this. 
unfortunately that first year we didn't find it. It was, you know, very like, okay, like, um, you know, we were in the area, we couldn't find anything else. It could have been covered over. So what do you mean, what do you mean trying to, sorry to stop you. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, what do you mean trying to find it? Like how, how, like describe that process for folks. Did you have GIS maps? Did you have satellites? Did you have paper maps? Did you have like documents to go off of? This is the interesting thing. So we, mm-hmm. there was an archaeologist at the time in 1967 that was working in Chichen Itza. His name was Victor Segovia, mm-hmm. right? Segovia was called over from Chichen Itza to look at this feature. Mm-hmm. And he saw it, took some notes, didn't record it. It looks like maybe the bones were collected, but mm-hmm. then that was it. There was, there was no indication of, there's, there's literally no information that we have to go off of other than it was found alongside the airport. It was, I want to say, 350 meters from El Cenote Sagrado. Did you have just these uh, like notes article yeah. and a, a drawing based on somebody's telling of how the feature? <laughs> did so you it was have like a myth? You know? Yeah, yeah, like, for sure, for sure. Did you did you know where the um, airstrip was? You mentioned the Chichen Itza airstrip. Yeah. Did you know like the exact location of, of that strip? Yes, so um, we, we were able to find it, and there was an old map we had access to that documented like an anomaly close by the feature. Ooh. So the, uh, we couldn't find it 2018. The year after I went 2019, I tried looking for it, mm-hmm. uh, and I along the way I found another feature oh, that cool. <laughs> uh, was like close by. So I actually originally thought this was the Osario Infantil. It was like further back, more in the jungle. I'm like, oh, this has to be it. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing coinciding. It didn't look like it. There, it didn't go anywhere. It was very much like you drop down a meter, yeah, maybe a meter and a half, mm-hmm. and that was it. So that and it kind of that was the too. that was the feature that that you found was sort of like a, a divot or a depression in the ground that led you to think this may be right because what looking for. And I should have uh, supplemented this because I feel like I jumped topics really quick. But, no, it's so uh, I- for, uh, wait, hold on. Sorry to stop you, Christina. But Christina's uh, what she's doing is putting literally like months of preparation and research and hours and hours and hours of field time, and she's summarizing it for folks in my <laughs> stupid questions. Uh, no, no. So she's doing she's doing a great great job, by the way. Um, because yeah, like so much goes into this. Like I say, you can't just yeah. jump on a plane and call jim and dr and be like hey let's dig like there's months of prep work so she's doing a great job at sort of summarizing so you said um, because sometimes i feel like i'm very much like i'll talk about things then i forget like i didn't describe what a sascavera was i didn't talk about what jiltoon was i didn't describe what just mean yeah right and it's 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 good practice to remember like you need to really break down what you're saying mm-hmm. so that it's accessible. You know what I'm saying? Like, for sure, because this is for the homies. Shit. Exactly. <laughs> okay, continue, continue. So okay. you're saying uh, uh, we're, we're finding landing well, strip and continue. Yeah, so we were the landing strip was really close by. It's not used anymore. Now mm-hmm. it's almost like a truck stop. So oh. we were looking along the side um, to see if we could find it because when I was given this paper to essentially um, – translate for mm-hmm. the students in our group that didn't read Spanish, that didn't speak Spanish. We had, you know, a translated version. So I worked on that. Mm-hmm. And so when I went back, we couldn't find it 2018. That was part of it. We yeah. did find a feature in mm-hmm. San Felipe Nuevo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about this feature a little bit before I jump back. Okay. I know it's a little, I apologize, but it's all good. 
we thought we may have found, and this is the thing, a lot of it is trial and error. So we keep finding features, yep. right? The circular entrances that are found with Chiltuns, that are found with Sascaveras, we're finding them a lot. And again, part of my thesis is like, you know, we're finding features that mimic or appear to be each feature, but they're not it. You know, it, it, there's too many differences. They're not coinciding with the literature that is present to us, that is in the record. Mm -hmm. So it's very much like, oh, this could be the Sari Infantil. We look through it. It's not, right? This was in somebody's backyard in San Felipe Nuevo. When we went inside it, we were able to excavate it out. Mm -hmm. It was essentially just a, a garbage pit. So I remember mm -hmm. Melanie Saldana, <laughs> if you're familiar with this, over at Calcita Lay, she jumped in. She's like, I can't, I can't deal with these chickens. Like, it's too much. <laughs> Like dead chickens in there. We had to pull out diapers. Like it was awful. Uh, uh. <laughs> awful. And it's like, well, we pulled this out. We once we pulled out all the humus, right? That's what we call like the the dirt and stuff that's fallen on the top, just like the top layer. Okay. And we started getting into the actual excavation process. Mm -hmm. We found over a thousand pieces of pottery. Wow. Wow. And this somebody's backyard in San Felipe Nuevo, a little pueblito right there, right? So wow. So you yep. guys were um let's see when you were setting out to find this feature um everybody's out in in field gear are you are you with jim are you guys in a group yeah. like like describe that scene for folks like yeah, everyone so, has their hats on and sunscreen and bug spray we all had our little helmets because you got to be careful even if it's like a smaller area mm -hmm. you got to watch out your cranium the most more part of your body right yep so we had like once we were able to excavate quite a bit of um of the material out we could fit three people in there and I was part of the demolition team, as I like to call it, just like cleaning it up, making sure everything's out, going layer by layer. Mm -hmm. so we're not destroying it. We're not actually, you know, what is it? I said demolition. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> demolishing. We're <laughs> going step by step. Yeah, destroying, but, demolishing. We're destroying it, no. <laughs> Et cetera. Um, and we had uh, one, of, one of the students was on screens. He was mm -hmm. a great screener. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Brian. He's He was like quick, yeah. just finding little fragments, right? And we had somebody on buckets. So it wasn't it wasn't practical to have somebody push these things out. So we had what we call the project hooker. So nice. <laughs> they lower the rope with the hook and they pull them out. So like, Where's the hooker? We need her on duty or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's a whole and little ass assembly line of folks. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. little. You got some folks, uh, some folks excavating down at the bottom, then other folks yeah. pulling buckets, exactly. and then other folks screening the dirt. Right. And it's a, it's a. Screening, and we had other people writing down the information. So we had, you know, not everyone could be on their notepads twenty four seven. So we had to rely on everybody's notes. You know what was going on. So it, it is a team process. It's teamwork. It really is. Of course, of course. And everyone has, exactly. Um, exactly. That's that, so incredible because Christina just described the archaeological site and how a smaller sort of small small scale controlled excavation yeah. works. There's uh, other types of excavations that that folks do, um, sort of like salvage excavations where you just go and you're just sort of haphazardly digging and you're just trying right. to see what you could find because this area is going to get bulldozed over and we got to get this stuff out of the ground fast and then there's um smaller controlled you know um systematic excavations like christina described which is uh was super cool so in this person's backyard you found a bunch of pottery but it wasn't um the main feature that you were looking oh. for no and what was cool about this particular feature is that it had a constructed wall inside it 
with cobblestones up to the ceiling. Okay, so you guys, you would know if you found this feature by what you just described. Well, this feature had a wall as well. So the Osadium Fentanyl was described to be almost like a Choltoon opening. So you have the round circular chipped entrance, right? Mm -hmm. Which coincides with this particular feature, which is a Sascavera. So it's like, wait a minute, this entrance is used for multiple features. So how are you telling me that this is one and this is the other Mm -hmm. when they're not holding the material that's in the archeological record? And that's part of my argument, my thesis, right? So it's like, we have these two names, but we don't have features that fit these two names precisely. Mm -hmm. Maybe in some areas, but Mm -hmm. not everywhere. So we're finding a lot of variability. We're finding things that don't add up. And part of it was like, we found a ceramic phallus inside of this feature so it's very much like <laughs> a dick we didn't find the skeletons you, you, fa- you but found it's a like, dick we found a dick yeah exactly <laughs> wait so, hold on yeah. hold on <laughs> what is it <laughs> you can't you can't just be like yo we found a dick near chichen itza a, a ceramic dick near chichen itza um i've heard about this uh ceramic phallus so um it's not the first time folks it's just freaking hilarious uh what is what's the point of this ceramic phallus like where did it come from who did it belong to (laughs) do you know any of that stuff so like there's speculation when i talked to jim that it could have been off of a statue right and it was broken off of the statue and thrown in and it could have been after you know some kind of fight was there battle was there like um you know any indication on the base of the phallus that may have indicated it was attached to a statue or was that like yes, eroded? because it, because it was ceramic and because of the way it just it looked like it was broken off. I don't know how else to describe it, uh-huh. but it looked like it was broken off and like it was thrown in there. Someone broke off a dick from a statue, right? Exactly, <laughs> and, and that and this has several. It could have several meanings. It could be fertility. Mm-hmm. It could be this is you know this was like ah like uh, after a battle you throw it in yeah. kind of like to show dominance. It could have been um, something like that as well. Uh, a man ripping off the penis of another man after a battle or perhaps uh, a man throwing in another penis to aid in fertility or perhaps it was like a Lorena Bobbitt and some some lady just got <laughs> mad at her dude who was like yoink I'm gonna throw that shit in that's the chill tomb I mean and that's the thing it, it's it's hard to tell what it was for but mm-hmm. there is there's been a lot of research showing that caves in the Maya uh maya culture maya society especially ancient maya it, it represents the womb so the first thought was oh you put this in here fertility right yeah. it, it just it goes hand in hand but there's so many things there's so many factors that could go into it that it's not definite but it's just a couple of theories that were kind of presented at the time yeah 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 i could think of a couple of other theories they're probably just not <laughs> like legit or relevant <laughs> um yeah, this just brings up like it's just millions, millions of questions. And that's the thing. It's like you know we haven't a lot of time to talk, but there's just so much that goes into this, and it's it's complicated and it's also straightforward at the same time when you think about it. And I feel like when I first was in the field, I had a lot of difficulty tying in, and I still kind of do like tying in. Okay, we find this. What is the implication? What is it that you're finding? Yeah. What does this mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we're trying to talk about why we think this means that you know, we're, we're supplementing with research. What, you know, why does this not mean this anymore? Right. And it's very like, sometimes it's daunting and you forget, especially as a graduate student, you forget, like, you know, I'm still in the process of understanding this. And I, and I hopefully they explained it to where, you know, if it, this is just somebody listening to it the first time they can kind of catch on, but 
you know, I'm not expecting like instant, like, oh, immediately Saskatoon <laughs> like dinner table talk. It, I don't expect it to, but it, yeah. if you can talk about it and present it where people can understand it and like get an inkling of like, oh, this is something that's done. I'm interested in that. Mm. You know, we bring more people to the field and we can actually like figure this out together and like, you know, it's accessible where people are like, yes, I know what this means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, can you uh, real quick just just give uh, a little bit about yourself? Are you you're originally from LA? Um, yeah, so I grew up I grew up in Eagle Rock. I uh, went to school in Glendale. Mm-hmm. Uh, my background is Cuban. I'm not even Mexican, so it's funny <laughs> working with Mexican archaeologists and then I speak Spanish, and they're like, "You're not Mexican." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you but I, I mean, I illustrate yeah. that point because it's like if if you are thinking that you want to do this go do it like sign yeah. up go go to yeah. your go to if, if you're if you're just if you don't have any background at all sign up for your community college then then go to your university and, and go do it like it's it's entirely possible yeah. you got christina who's from los oh. angeles not to not to diminish you or anything like that you got someone like me <laughs> you got someone like me who's um i haven't dug at chichen itza but i've been to incredible places in the california desert i've been to spain right. and peru i've gotten to dig in, in other countries and if it's something you're interested in it's entirely possible you just you, you um you need to put in the work <laughs> for sure it's not it's not something that's gonna come easy and I want to shout out when you were talking about field schools here mm-hmm. at Cal State LA alone, we have like three outside of gyms where he chooses you after being in the class, you mm-hmm. know, you do your work, whatever. And he's like, Oh, you'd be a great fit. Like I'm going to choose some people that could be a great fit to work in a group. Right. Mm-hmm. It's more like kind of like sees how we kind of act in class to see how we would work in the field. Mm-hmm. But there's also classes you can just sign up for. So at Cal State LA, we have the desert field program run by Dr. Wells and Melanie Saldana, mm-hmm. and you know, incredible it's incredible women, incredible. And it's, uh, I almost want to say like five weeks. We take a couple weekends to go out there. You have some class, some days you're in class on Fridays, some weekends you're out in the field and you camp out there for three days and you work, Yeah, you know, so this is entirely accessible at the college level. Mm-hmm. If you want to take this as an elective, if you want to figure out if archaeology is a good fit for you, you know what I'm saying? If you want, if you're interested and you want to know, that's a great starting point. I feel like I learned most of my skills in that field school and I took For it sure. after belief because <laughs> I understood what I was doing. Yeah. It wasn't just here, you have to do it like this because this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. We understood like, oh, this is why we have to do it. Like, yeah. It's not just it's just not innate. Like you understand the meaning. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about some people, but I like understanding why I'm doing something. For sure. For sure. And so it, Dr. It broke Will- it down. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Wells and Mel do an amazing job at breaking it down for people who who are new. And that's a field school that got me into archaeology. That's literally the reason why I became an archaeologist, because I signed up and I took this field school and I was like, wait, we're going to go camp in the desert. That sounds awesome. (laughs) And I was like, wait, we're going to go dig stories of just like yeah. goofing and having fun but also being serious and, and getting to work too so it's great yeah it's entirely possible if you want to do it um hit me up i'll i'll i'll, I'll, I'll guide you I'll, I'll show you the way i'll show you the way totally so before we go christina i like to ask everybody all my guests two questions okay they're two <laughs> two big questions and um honest answer or i'd like an honest answer from you please where do you think we are headed in our evolution like what do you think is next for us do you think we're going to become aliens 
and fly around spaceships and telepathically communicate? Or do you think we're going to blow ourselves up and go back to the Dark Ages? What, what do you think? Where, where do you think we're headed? You know, that's interesting because I feel like when we study evolution and we see it, we see like the gradual changes. And I feel like when you're living it, it's really hard to notice them, mm. right? Um, but I feel like we're already in the process. And this is my thing. Like, I, I do feel like we're kind of, we're driven to go up. Even if we were to blow ourselves up, there's always survivors. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do have to consider, right? And I feel like as we evolve, our our changes are going to come as like enhancements, like machinery. Ooh. You know, start off as just you know we're we're already like modifying ourselves, our bodies, whether it's you know tattoos, piercings, just on the you know just the regular scale. We've been doing it for centuries, right? Mm-hmm. Why not add you know mechanics like i feel like we're going to become more like cyborgs like we're it's not that robots are going to take over we're just going to become more robotic i don't know that's just my i would i would say we're already there because when you don't have your phone on you you know you don't have your phone on you and you literally feel it and you're like what you You, you, i'm I'm missing something they call it like what you're missing yeah very aware straight up of where you are actually of oh i need to contact somebody Right. Once you start attaching these things to you out of convenience, mm-hmm. you become more and more machine-like. But I feel like the For human sure. aspect will always be there in your consciousness. I just, I just don't know how that would go from there. And again, I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. I feel like <laughs> I've always loved fantasy, adventure, and mystery. And it's funny because like I didn't see myself in archaeology because I've always been like, oh, I like makeup. I like this. I like that. <laughs> but then, you know. I've always liked adventure. I've always liked going in my like my neighborhood and exploring. Like there was a little area where you could crawl and like peek over. This is dangerous as hell, but there's the freeway was behind my grandfather's <laughs> wall. You see the cars. And I just always be exploring around the neighborhood with all the neighborhood kids. And it's like, you know, I just feel like um with what I've been like exposed to as a kid, like Star Wars, all this stuff, like, yeah, I can see myself doing like I could see us getting to that level where we're just always enhancing ourselves to the point. Or just more and more uh, machine-like, almost. I don't know. Whoa, that's, that's <laughs> sick! Sick. <laughs> that's a good answer. That's a great answer. Thanks. Um, what? Lastly, what's your favorite thing about people? Or another thing? Another way you could answer? You could tell me who your favorite person is if if you don't like anything about people. Um, so one of those you could say, tell me what what your favorite thing about people are, or who's your favorite person? Doesn't ha- you don't have to know them. Could be past, present, future. Oh, I, I love people. I do like people a lot. And Me I too. feel like uh, I love that you always get a different perspective. You you get, it's funny because like just within conversation, you understand the person just a little bit more. I like how people for the most part, I think have good intentions. I think that's just how I was raised. Mm-hmm. So when you talk to somebody, they're able, to, I feel like people are pretty candid if you give them the opportunity to be so. And I like how you're introduced to so many new things with just like a quick conversation. You can understand somebody's life story in a matter of five minutes and get to know them better than maybe their closest friend because they feel a connection. I don't know. Hopefully I'm not like floundering, but I just like how people, I just like that we're social. I like being a social being. I like talking to people. I like, that's what I like about people. I like being able to talk and, and explore different topics and talk about things and like figure out what things mean. And I like a little bit of mystery and I like that people bring you different perspectives and understanding of the world around you so that you're not just 
focused on a narrow-minded idea of what you grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I like that about people a lot because without them, you would be stuck in a bubble. You know, you you need exposure. That was beautiful. <laughs> no, that was a, that was an incredible answer, Christina. And um, right. yeah, I I agree with you there, one hundred percent, wholeheartedly. And that's a big reason why I'm I'm doing this and why I want to share this with with so many individuals. So I really thank you for coming on. And thank you course, for yeah. for t- talking to us and me and all the homies about your research and That's it's yeah, super awesome. badass so research. Um, I, <laughs> I hope this won't be the first and only time you're on. I hope that I can have you on again. Yeah. Definitely. Hopefully, I can break it down even better or like let's talk about something new, something different. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And if anyone has any questions for Christina, um, feel free to hit me up at Anthro for the homies on Instagram. Um, thank you so much. Thanks, What's up, folks? I really hope you enjoyed that episode because I know I did. If you guys liked what you heard, please, please, please don't forget to hit subscribe. Leave me a review. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Was it just okay? Let me know. And if you could please tell five of your friends about Anto for the homies, that would be great. You guys will help me get the word out about this podcast and then I could keep doing some amazing episodes for y'all. So thanks so much for tuning in, folks. Tune in for the next episode. Peace, everybody.